Hey, we want to thank you for taking time out of your busy schedules to join us on the JF Podcast. It is our hope that this most recent talk teaches you, inspires you, and challenges you to live the life you were designed to live. If this message has helped you in some way, help someone else by sharing it. And if you want more information about who we are, what we do, or you'd like to contribute to our community, you can find us at JolietNaz.org. Thanks so much for listening. All right. Well, I'm excited to start. By the way, good morning to each of you. Start excited to start this new series called Adrenaline Junkies. Now, I know some of you have heard this phrase before, um, but many of you may not know where it came from. Um, any of you may have remembered that in 1991, um, there was a famous movie that came out. Now, I know good Nazarenes probably never saw it because back then we didn't watch movies. Uh, and some of you weren't born in 1991, so you have no clue what we're talking about. Um, but there was a movie by the name of Point Break starring Keanu Reeves, the worst actor in history. Um, I'm totally kidding. I love that guy. I think he's handsome. And um, anyway, uh, Keanu Reeves starred in this movie called Point Break where he was an undercover cop. You may remember this. He was an undercover cop who was investigating these surfers who not only surfed big waves and were a bunch of hippies and did lots of other things we can't mention from this platform, um, but they also robbed banks, right? So they surfed big waves, they robbed big banks, and at the end of the day, I won't ruin the storyline if you haven't watched it. By the way, if you do go watch it today, I prefer you watch the USA Channel version instead of the actual version, just, uh, just letting you know that ahead of time. Um, but the reason I tell you that is in 1991, this movie became famous for coining this exact phrase, adrenaline junkies. Maybe you didn't know that, but the phrase adrenaline junkies became famous because of this movie. And what we mean by that is that people just kind of, they like to live on the edge. When you think of adrenaline junkies, you think of people that jump out of airplanes. You think of people that do aerials on snowboards or do extreme sports. I mean, when you think of people, you think of people that are crazy when they are adrenaline junkies. But the question I want us to wrestle with over the next few weeks is, what if adrenaline, what if adrenaline junkies and what if adrenaline shows up in subtle forms rather than extreme sports? What if adrenaline shows up in subtle forms than in extreme sports? In fact, here's the thing. Maybe you don't know this, but all of us are fueled by some kind of adrenaline. And this is so true. Adrenaline is what allows us day to day to fight, flight, or flourish. You didn't know that. It gives you some energy that allows you to do things that you typically wouldn't be able to do. Adrenaline is what allows you to fight, flight, or flourish. And we've just, uh, we're just excited about um, the next three weeks as we begin to discover. It's a three-part series. Next week, we're going to be talking about this idea of survive, that many of us are in survival mode. And we may not think that that's adrenaline, uh, but at the end of the day, that's how we survive is just getting by. And then in the third week, there will be no message, which that should excite you. Everybody cheer now. Pastor Brad won't be preaching. All right. Woohoo. But we're going to be interviewing people. The third part is called Thrive. And we're going to be interviewing people who we think are thriving in life, but also thriving spiritually. And so you won't want to miss that week. It's really important. Um, and so we're looking forward. To but today we're talking about this idea of drive. And so the question I want to ask you this morning as we begin is how many of you here would consider yourselves driven? How many of you would say here, I am a driven person? And I would say that many of us, if you're raising your hand, if people were to talk about you, they would say, these are people that get things done. 
These are people who don't mess around. And in our culture, and I think it's a good thing, we applaud people and we perceive people and we award people who are driven as, as good. Like This is a good thing. People get things done. But what if, I'm just asking the question, what if what dr- drives you is actually hazardous to your health? What if what drives each of you today, and maybe you don't know it, what if it, what drives you is actually hazardous to your health? And so I want to tell you about a neighbor that we had, uh, Lubbus. Um, when we moved to Topeka and we moved out of the ghetto finally uh, and into our home that we purchased, um, Janelle, uh, you know, I came home from work one day and she said, I met our neighbor today. And I said, oh, great, uh, tell me more about them. And she said, well, it's not them, it's just one person, it's a her. And um, she is, she's a quaint old woman who is quite eccentric. She loves lots of flowers, flowers everywhere around her house, loves flowers. Um, she has the best shoe collection I've ever seen in my life. I mean, she walks out, colorful shoes, patterned up. I mean, you want to wear some cool shoes when you're 80, those are the shoes to wear. Uh, she has lots of opinions, she told me. She has lots of opinions. Her name is Nancy, and she's negative. What are the odds, right? Negative Nancy. And she said, when I walked outside, she actually didn't greet me and say hello or my name is Nancy. She just walked, when I walked out and I saw her out there and I said hi, she said, hey, I don't know if you know this, but your limbs from your trees are in my yard. Welcome to the neighborhood, right? And uh, it's kind of a funny thing because it's like we didn't put the trees there. These trees were old. Uh, we lived in a mature neighborhood where there were trees, you know, 60, 70. Uh, we had one in our front yard, probably close to 100 feet tall, really big, older than we. We didn't put them there. They've been dropping limbs and acorns for years in this woman's yard. And yet all of a sudden we are the culprits and the bad ones. And she's saying, hey, your limbs are in my yard. And she continues. She said, by the way, I want to know, do you have dogs no, we have kids, if that counts. I, you know, I don't know. Uh, we have kids, but no, we don't have dogs. She said, well, the previous owners before you had dogs, and I don't know if you notice your yard, but it doesn't look very nice. There's a lot of bare spots. We just hope that you'll take care of that over time. And what we learned about, I said, wow, that's interesting, you know. What we learned, though, about Nancy was that whenever we went outside or ever, whenever we were meeting with her, she was always negative about what was going on in life. She was always negative. Uh, you know, it, it went everything from uh, y- your trees are hogging my tree's sunlight. In fact, she had a pine tree that went up about three feet and then straight over, I kid you not, and then the top of it turned up because our trees were hoarding all the, the sunlight. And so she didn't like that about our oak trees, wanted us to cut them down. She didn't like her own son very much. Uh, she didn't like him, just thought he was lazy and really didn't have much to do in life and always forgot her birthday, so she was always down on him. And she, you know, talked about the robbery that happened two weeks ago in the street two blocks down and uh, whose house caught on fire and why there's so many leaves and why there's so much snow. And, I mean, day after day after day, when you would meet with her our first year, that's all she talked about. And I'm convinced, I'm convinced that much of her life up to that point was driven by her negativity. That if you were to remove the problems in her life, she would cease to exist. In fact, I know it seems ironic, but I don't even know that she could live a peaceful life unless she had a problem in her life. I know that really doesn't make sense. But it's almost like in order for her to live, in order for her to get up day after day after day, there had to be some sort of negative situation in her life in order for her to gripe about it. 
And I think this is so true for so many of us that when we get up day to day, rarely, rarely do we think about the things that are good in life, but rather we're complaining about everything in our life. And the adrenaline that drives so many of us is negativity. And I would say this, that negative people never move forward in life. The reason why people are drawn back, the reason why they're stuck where they are is because they're constantly, constantly, constantly negative. In fact, I don't know if you know this, but people don't want to be around negative people. I don't want to be around negative people. And we get stuck where we are because of our own negativity. And I think so many of us are fueled by this fire. I think we are driven by this kind of life that we become adrenaline junkies on negativity. And so today I want to look at a letter written by a man named Paul. And some of you know who Paul is. Others of you don't know who Paul is. But Paul was this guy who decides that he hates Jesus. He follows Jesus, falls in love with Jesus, decides that he's going to become an adrenaline junkie for Jesus. And so he goes around and he plants churches and he does all these cool, amazing things. And partly we're here because of him. But at the end of the day, the reason why I love Paul and you love Paul is because the advice that he's going to give us in just a few moments is out of his own experience. It's not just something that's a theory. It's not just something, you know, just like, hey, I, I just decided to write this and, and make this up or it's taught in a class. This is something experienced in his own life. You see, Paul was a pastor, and so a lot of times people didn't like him. And he would make decisions, and he would do things that weren't favorable in the eyes of others. And so he always had grievance, grievances and complaints and negativity. And why didn't you show up here? And why did you ignore us there? And, and over and over and over, Paul is persecuted. He finds himself in jail. I mean, his conditions in life were not favorable. If anything, they're negative. They're negative. And so he begins to write the secret sauce to us today. And he begins to tell us today what's so important, what's so important to life out of his own experience. And he writes to this community who, by the way, was much like Paul and much like you and much like me. See, they became followers of Jesus. They fall in love with Jesus. They become followers. And next thing you know, they're inviting their friends. Everybody's coming to their church. This is a community that's growing. They're excited about God. And all of a sudden, they their backs up against the wall. They are gaining some pressure from people on the outside. They begin to experience the pressure out on the outside and they fold like a cheap suit. <laughs> they become Nancy negatives. They become the adrenaline junkies that nobody wants to be around. They become these, these people whose outlook on life is so poor. In fact, in fact, Paul wants to remind them of the hope they have in the future because we think the future shapes the present. And if you have a poor outlook on the future, then you have no hope now in the present. And Paul says, hey, I need you to hang on to this because if your community is going to make it, if your church is going to make it, if you as a human being in life are going to make it, you cannot thrive off of negativity. You will die. And so here's what he says. He says, be cheerful no matter what. And then he continues. He says, pray all the time and thank God because those things are important. But then he reminds us one more time. He says, no matter what happens. Now, look to your partner, and I want you to say to them, no matter what happens. Just look at them real quick, and, and let me know how that goes for you. No matter what happens, right? No matter what happens. You've said this, right? It's not a comfortable feeling when somebody comes up to you and they say, hey, no matter what happens. Like, 
you know when somebody says no matter what happens, there's a good chance that something um, life-threatening could happen. Or there's a good chance you're not coming back. Or there's a good chance the relationship's going to end. I mean, when I was deployed, you know, when I was deployed as a soldier, you know, we sort of had this conversation with Janelle and my, my parents. You know, hey, no matter what happens, maybe you've gone to another country and it was dangerous or you're on the mission field or you're, you know, you're flying into a dangerous part. Or maybe you just were entering into a dangerous part of the city. People have looked at you and they've said, hey, no matter what happens. Or maybe you've had this situation medically where you go to the doctor, they call you, and it's uncertain. And at the end of the day, uh, your wife, your spouse, your husband looks at you and they say, hey, no matter what happens. Not very, not very comforting. And Paul writes them to say, listen, it's not a matter of if when it happens. It's a matter of when it actually, when it's going to happen. Does that make sense? Like, it's going to happen. When it happens, it's going to happen. It's not if, it's just when. And so he writes to this community because he says, listen, there are going to be moments in your life that happen that you don't want to happen, but they're going to happen anyway. In fact, you're going through one of them right now. Like I said, you're gathered together, you're growing, you're excited, and all of a sudden, all of a sudden, because of their faith, they're being lined up and shot. Actually, they weren't shot because they didn't have gunpowder back then. They were getting their heads cut off with swords. They were losing their lives for their faith. By the way, you think you have it rough having to come in here? You get to drink your coffee, sit in comfortable pews, a nice warm sanctuary for you. These people are literally losing their lives. And so if anybody has the right, if anybody has the right to be a, a negative Nancy or feel down or depressed or emotionally upset or spiritually deprived in their life, it is these exact people. And I would say this. I want to ask you this. How do you respond in your life when you face the no matter what happens situation? How do you personally respond in moments in your life where you begin to face the no matter what happens kind of conversation or situation? And the reason why I ask you that is because of this. And this is truth for you and for me. It is human nature. It is human nature. Human nature corresponds with negative pressure. Human nature corresponds with negative pressure. Now just think with me for a few minutes on this. My sons, the other day we were getting ready to go to soccer practice, and my son Carter had a broken arm, but he also had the newest cleats, which meant they had the greatest grip. And so I just, I, we said to him, hey, do you think maybe you could share your cleats with Miles? Because his were like bald. I mean, the poor kid, he's like the redheaded, he's redheaded. He's like the redheaded stepchild, you know? And he didn't have anything. And so we just said, hey, do you mind sharing your cleats with, with your brother? And you would have thought, I mean, the pressure of, borrowing cleats, I said, hey, we, we will go buy you some new ones that play it against sports. By the way, uh, just a plug for them, that's a great place to buy uh, soccer shoes if you need them. Uh, nice and cheap, but almost brand new. And so I said, I'll go buy you some new, one, new ones. Uh, not a big deal. But you would have thought that pressure in his life totally crushed him. He walked in the door, he was excited, and the moment we took his cleats, he was like, nobody loves me, nobody cares about me, I don't have anything in life, my life is miserable, my parents hate me, and we were riding to soccer practice, and I love it, he is slouched in the car with, the, with a belt on his neck, and I like almost slam my brakes on, on I-80 and just say, dude, you have got to get it together, and you have got to sit up. Or we might have a situation that we don't want to have, like no matter what happens. We get in a wreck. So it, it wasn't pretty. 
I say all that to say that, that human nature corresponds with negative pressure. You've met people at work, right? And you know they hate their job because they don't mind telling you that they hate their job. You ever met somebody in life that loves their job? No, they just do their job because they love it. But people who hate it, they talk about it all the time. You notice when somebody's tired or exhausted or hasn't had any sleep or they're under a lot of stress. Why? Because it's human nature. Your body corresponds with the negative pressure. And all of a sudden you look at them, they look exhausted, they look tired, they look like they're about ready to die. Uh, it's just part of human life. I don't know if you know this, but this is social media's tactic. This is the media's tactic and social media's tactic on you. That the more negative pressure we can put on people, the more they will correspond with what we're doing. Did you know this? I mean, go ahead, just try to count the amount of positive uh, headlines in the news. Or just go down your feed and try to just count how many positive feeds you can find in your own feed. My guess is the negative outweighs the positive every single time. And, I don't know if you know this, but what draws you in every time. There is something about negativity that just brings you in and gives you excitement. Yeah, they're in trouble. Or look at so-and-so go down. Or look at that accident on I-80. That's amazing. Like, we get fueled by this. And we get drawn into it. And Paul says, he says, you have got to push back against the pressure. See, whenever, the moments when we have uh, those whatever may happen in your life, kind of moments, we sort of just kind of take them on for what they are. We just receive them for what they are. We just accept the pressure. We just let it happen to us. And Paul says, no, no, no. If you want to live a life, you have to push back against the pressure. But you have to respond in the right way. And so he's addressing me, and he's addressing you when it comes to our negative situations. And here's what he says. Be cheerful. No matter what. Uh, I don't know about you, but I don't like those words. Right? We talked about the no matter what's. These are not good times. These are not good situations. In fact, rarely are we cheerful. Most often, we are critical, we're angry, we're upset, we're always asking, why did this happen to me? Why did this happen to me? And we want to fight back, we want to scream, we want to yell. But Paul says, uh-uh, you've got to be Cheerful. Now, I'm not going to describe to you what cheerful means because I honestly have no clue because when I'm in the no matter what situation, I don't know what cheerful feels like. But what I do know is that he gives us a practice in the middle of that and he says, hey, when you find yourself in the no matter what situation, you need to thank God. No matter what happens in your life, no matter where you find yourself, no matter what negativity is in your life, this is where you give God thanks. Really? I mean, we want to give God thanks for the bad things that happen? I love it. I have a wife who is a genius, by the way. Uh, much of what I've learned over my life and much of how I've grown, uh, and I have a long way to go, is because of her. Um, and the insight that she's provided me and the way she has taught me over the course of our almost 15 years of marriage. And um, one of the things that I love, going back to Negative Nancy is after about a year, Janelle said, I've, I, I've just kind of had enough of this. You've been around negative people enough. It's like, I think I've had enough of them. Um, 
So one of my, you know, great um, profs, he says, the best criticism of the bad is the practice of the better. And Janelle said, I think I'm just going to practice the better in this moment. It's going to become my mission that whenever negative Nancy comes out, I am going to flip the script on her and make her think that this is positive and good. And so, go, you know, go figure, it's fall time, limbs and leaves are falling, and she's complaining about the limbs in her yard. And Janelle says, hey... She sent the boys over to go pick up the limbs. These little cute two- and three-year-olds, one and two, whatever they were, go pick up the limbs. But she says, have you ever considered that these trees provide so much shade in the heat of this Kansas summer? By the way, it's hot in Kansas. I don't know if you know that. It gets hot in Kansas. Um, But if it wasn't for these trees, we would have astronomical electric bills, and our houses would be hotter than what they are. And it's just great having these shade trees that we can come out and hang underneath and And over the course of time, it was like whatever she could complain about, Janelle would find a way to make her thankful for it. So she would send the boys over to put the newspaper in in her little mailbox, and they would send her birthday cards. They would make their own birthday cards, and they'd send them to her. They'd take them over to her. We invited her over for dinner on Easter. By the way, I invited her Easter Sunday for lunch, and Janelle was like, you're an idiot. We won't even be here for lunch. (laughs) Oh, yeah, (laughs) She was not happy with me. Um, you always, by the way, gentlemen, always ask your wife before you just make plans. <laughs> but we had her over for dinner. Uh, and Janelle, over the course of two, three years, would just kind of flip this spin on her. She, they would just, just kind of make her think about, hey, there are so many things to be thankful for. So many things to be thankful for in life, even when it feels like there's so much negativity. And I can remember the day that we left to come here. Nancy walks over, and she hands Janelle the ugliest picture I've ever seen in my life. Right? Now, some of you are like, I'd love to have this in my home. Um, But she walks over, and she said, I thought she bought this at, like, Hobby Lobby or something, so I was just going to burn it. Um, But she walks over, and she said, I... I, I painted this and made this for you. And she, she's got her name. By the way, she lives at 30. I'm just kidding. I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> but she said to Janelle, she said, I want to give this to you because I painted it, I made it, and it reminds me of you and your family. We had a blue house. I'm not sure what the flowers or apples mean. Maybe we're just the apple of her eye. But when she handed it to Janelle, she said, I just want to thank you because you've been the best neighbors I've ever had in my life. And we're moving, we're leaving. You know, when you move, by the way, people tend to cut off their relationships with you. They just stop talking to you. And, and instead, you know, she could have just ignored us and pretended like we weren't leaving. But that day she walked over and she handed this Janelle. And when she could have been upset, when she could have been angry, when she could have been negative about us moving, she said, I'm so thankful I've had the chance to know and grow with your family. That is the power of giving thanks. In fact, this is exactly what Paul tells us and what he knows and what he's learned from Jesus. Here is what he says, and it's so important. Be cheerful no matter what. Pray all the time. Thank God no matter what happens. And then he says this. This is the way that God wants you. 
By the way, if you belong to Jesus, if you follow Jesus, if you claim to live in his name and to live the way he lives and to do what he does and do the things that he did, this is the way God wants you to live. And you're asking me, what do you mean, what's the way that he wants us to live? And this is so important. This is what I want you to know. That thank you is the way God wants you. Thank you, I don't know if you know this, is the way God made you. You see, Paul understands what Jesus understands, what his Father God understands, and that he has created us in his image, in his image to live a life of beauty and goodness and to live a full, amazing, vibrant life. By the way, if you've ever come to faith and you said this is boring, I don't know what kind of faith you're following, but the moment I said yes to Jesus, the time my life got crazy and fun and adventurous, and I'm beginning to do more things than I ever thought I could do before because God, because I said yes to God. And I don't know if you know this, and we've already said this, but negative people never move forward. And so I just, I need to have a moment with our church family. Can I, can I just be honest with us? We are a friendly church. Uh, thank you, by the way, for many of you who filled out the surveys. Uh, we scored very well on our greeting. We are a friendly church. But just because we are friendly doesn't mean we can't be fake. You know, you can greet somebody in one, one moment and the next moment be in the corner talking poorly about your own very community that you attend every single week. And I'm trying to say this with grace. And I'm trying to say this with kindness. But I have talked to former employees, former pastors. I've talked to people who have met with some of your former pastors. I've talked with leaders of this church who have said, Pastor, this is not just a recent thing. This has been a long time thing. I've had people say to me, this church has been negative, just as negative now as it was 20 years ago. And it breaks my heart because it is a dangerous disease that kills communities. Do you know this? This is why Paul wrote this to us today, to that community then, and to us right now, is it his negativity over the course of this church's lifetime that has caused it to stay where it is. Negativity never moves. And Paul reminds us, thank you is the way God wants you. By the way, I want you to, to, to understand this, that giving thanks has so many benefits. He says, I need you to give thanks. Rather than being negative, I want you to give thanks. By the way, people who give thanks every day have better relationships. That's because people actually like you. You'll actually have more friends. Again, because people want to be around you. You're not a drag. They have better physical health. They have less pains in their life. Right? They take better care of themselves. They visit the doctors. I love this. It strengthens their mental health. 
it enhances, giving thanks enhances your empathy. It reduces aggression, thank God for that. It gives better rest. It improves your self-esteem. And I love this part. Giving thanks improves your mental toughness. Because there are times in the life of you and of this church, when it happens, you will need to be mentally tough. And I think, I think God has such a bright future for so much of, for us, for you, for me, but we have to begin to grow up in so many ways. And it starts by addressing this issue that has plagued us for so long. And so here's what I want you to do. Maybe you're not a Christian. Maybe you're not a Jesus follower. Maybe you're not, it's not for you. The only thing I want you to do is you have people in your life this week that you can't stand being around. And instead of just giving general thanks for their life, I want you to be specific about what you appreciate about them. So that coworker or that neighbor, that negative Nancy neighbor, whatever it is, I want you to find something positive in their life. By the way, we often say this in order, you know, it is our goal when addressing people that we have problems with that we want to bring out the best so they can be the best. Do your best to bring out the best so they can be the best. And we want you to do that this week. If you're a Jesus follower and you say, hey, I want to grow more. I want to move forward in my faith. I want to do something different. I want you to hear this. This is so important. Paul goes back to it. The best you begins with thank you. That's right. The best you begins with thank you. But it is only done in prayer. The best you begins with thank you. And it's done in prayer. Some of us don't pray. It's not that we don't want to pray. It's that we just don't know how to pray. And I would say one of my practices that I've learned over time is to give thanks. I try to give thanks for five or 10 things every day that I'm thankful for. I'm thankful for the blueberries I get to eat. I'm thankful for whatever chicken has provided my eggs that morning. I'm thankful for two amazing kids. Every day I try to give thanks. And I think as a Christian, if you could sit down every day, just for one week, just try it one week. Watch how your perspective about life changes because your best you begins with thank you.